Okay, hold on. Hi, I'm Max. I'm Patrick, and I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting over a cold. Are you are? Well, I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm over it. When I was in New York, someone decided to come with a cold and promptly infected everyone. Lots of people got the flu. I only got the cold, so I actually consider myself lucky. And this was affair. this was why were you in New York? I was uh, in New York for my new job. For mm-hmm. Kotaku, brought a bunch of people out to hang out and get drunk, like condense basically what most people do over the course of a year to get to know their colleagues. Like just do that in five days. Cool. So I just stayed out a and lot. Everyone at Kotaku got sick. Yeah. This is a big blow shock, to the shock. Uh, you, you you try and cram uh, a year worth of drinking into five days, and a bunch of people get sick. No a, hangovers though. I'm very proud of myself. It's a big blow to the uh, SJW community. Everyone at Kotaku got it's, yeah, got yeah, sick yeah all really, yeah, yeah. It's couldn't, couldn't really just couldn't <laughs> nail them to the cross the way you always do. Um, all right. How's the? How do you like the Kotaku thing? Yeah, you wouldn't say anything bad about it, even if you didn't like it. I, I, you know, people. No, people have been very. They people. We've been talking about this on my YouTube channel. When people are asking watching. me, oh, well, that's okay. okay. Well, you see me every day, so you know I just come over and I tell you all of my thoughts for about twenty minutes every mm-hmm. morning. Um, no, like I don't agree with everything that happens over at Gawker, but I don't think that's like a controversial opinion. I think that you know some of the sites are very aggressive in the way they have covered all sorts of topics that I wouldn't do. That. Um, you know, Kotaku has made missteps in the past about as well, but you know, I I think there's a lot of smart people over there that you know sometimes make mistakes. But uh, I think if you look at Kotaku and the way it handles stuff relative to what else happens at Gawker, like they are a relatively tame site uh, in comparison, and and try to try to be so. But the, you know, they're also it's Gawker. So, so what no are what are some of the big stories you've uh, you've done in your time there? Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm focusing on right now is like swatting and just like generally like looking at harassment and instead of focusing on the day to day, this person is being harassed, that person is being harassed, not to discount any of those things. Those are all awful, but instead trying to take a bigger picture out of like, what does this mean? What are the trends? Like what, what, what can we take away from this? Um, there, there's one story I'm really excited about that I can't really talk about in the event that it somehow doesn't happen. But, you know, I, I kind of planted a flag in the ground with talking to a, uh, a couple that have been swatted uh, without their experience. And then, and for swatting, for, for some reason you don't know, is when someone calls in a fake crime in the hopes of sending a SWAT team. Uh, usually it's sort of like a hostage situation or some sort of murder in which you'd also kill cops. And they send that to your house, SWAT team comes. And then I did a follow-up article about, you know, how to protect your information from the Internet, basically how to figure out what's already out there, how to take it down. And then I've got some other stories that are kind of following up on that and trying to take sort of a big picture analysis of what that stuff means. So have you, in your in your research and interviews, is, have you found, are there any ways to, uh, you know, is there any remediation to be done? Like if you're worried about being swatted, like for, so your, yourself would be, you know, I imagine there's like trolls out there who would want to swat you. What do you do to protect yourself against that? You call your local police department. It's like, like the most surefire thing you can do is mm-hmm. that, you put on file that I'm a person that this might happen to me someday. Please call me if some sort of heinous murder is called in. Right. Here's my cell phone number. I'm happy to talk with you and, and work it out. They still might show up. Like the, the police might still show up, but it'll be far different. They'll show up and just be right. like, hey, we got a call. We need to ask a couple of questions. And, you know, your day is inconvenienced by 15, 20 minutes. But the problem is if your P- local PD doesn't know what swatting is, that can be kind of a problem. Because otherwise – you know, ultimately, what you know, one of the things I've learned about is that you know there's only so much you can do to take a your information down from the internet uh, and b uh, account for passwords and things like that. Ultimately, most of our accounts can be accessed through customer service representatives who are human beings 
who are going to who are are not infallible, who are going to make mistakes. And as long as we have those sorts of things, your information can ultimately always be found in some way or another, no matter how many steps you take. Um, so it's it's really like a social engineering attack would be would be the biggest thing you'd be concerned about. And you can't get rid of that without eliminating humans, right. but people like talking to humans. So, do you ever read Kevin Mitnick's uh, autobiography, uh, Ghost <coughs> Ghost in the Wires? I have not. It's really good. It's an amazing read. So he, Kevin Mitnick is like the world's most famous hacker or whatever. And he was one of the first like early like hacking cases. And it was famously claimed um, that he was like denied internet access or even phone access because he was like a phone freaker. Mm-hmm. And even when he was in prison, he wasn't allowed to use the phones to talk to his lawyers because the federal, the prosecutor from the federal government said that if he had access to a phone, he could whistle into the phone to launch, uh, <laughs> launch like international like ICBMs. Or I remember. Something. Okay, now this yeah. now this guy, that, that so, story in particular sounds very very familiar. interesting story. And he the guy lived on the on the run from the law for years and years and years, and he used social engineering techniques to provide like birth certificates and social security cards and documentation for himself. And then you know something would go go wrong or he'd get caught and he'd just pack up and do it again in a new town. It's not hard. I mean. He, the couple of folks that I've talked to that have engaged. <laughs> what do you mean? It's not hard to do social engineering. It's not. Oh come on! It's really not. That's uh, the. That's that. Neither the, of us would last five minutes trying to get a new birth certificate. Okay, I can't, but, okay, okay. I have okay, my okay, own okay, identity, right. and I can't even keep track okay, of that. I, I wasn't immediately going to like the end game of getting a birth certificate, but if I want, if you want to get the last four digits of some social, if you want to do an IP check, mm-hmm. which would allow you then to use other basic information to target someone's location, that stuff isn't that hard. It basically requires you calling up a customer service rep, knowing enough about their internal structure that you can eventually trick them into giving information. It's actually much easier than... Uh, this was the, um, uh, the guy... Who's the guy? Oh, it was Matt Honan who got hacked really badly and wrote that really good piece about how he got hacked, basically, mm-hmm. and even he even caught up with the hackers and 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 talked to them about it. But... It was it was primarily social engineering. So I think what happened was the hackers wanted his Twitter. They just wanted to get on his Twitter and post some bullshit. And to get the Twitter, they needed his email uh, to reset the Twitter password. And to yep. get the email, they needed like his iCloud. So they called the app to reset his Gmail, reset to the iCloud. So they were like, if we just get into his iCloud, we can then it traces back to the Twitter. So they were like, well, we just need. They called Apple and they were like, hello, it's me. Matt Honan, mm-hmm. I need access to my iCloud account, and I've locked myself out. What do I do? And Apple is like, well, if you have the last four digits of the credit card associated with your Apple ID, we can reset your password and over the phone. So he's like, okay, I'll get that and call you back. So they got – somehow they got into his Amazon. I think they called Amazon next, and they and Amazon just had bad policies, and Amazon just yep. like – let him in basically, and then they got into the Amazon, and Amazon obscures the credit card, but they show the last four digits. Sure, a lot of places do that. Yeah. Yep. So they so they wrote down the list of all the four digits, last four of his credit cards. Called back iCloud, you know, called back Apple, and said, "Okay, it's one of these cards." Read them all out, and they're like, "All right, that's the one." Reset the iCloud. That let them into the Gmail. That let them into the Twitter, and then they got his Twitter. And they also like remotely wiped all his iCloud devices, mm-hmm. so he lost all his like pictures of his kids and all that kind of stuff because they were into his, his whole things. So ah, I've been very, I've been very paranoid. I read that, and I, it made me very paranoid after I read that. You should so. be. Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, it seems like it basically could happen to anyone at any time, and there's really not not anything you can do to prevent getting hacked. It's more of like a mitigation kind of a situation. Of yes, like, that was how do, you, the, how do you make this less bad? One of the guys I talked to is basically that's the 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 new reality is just knowing it could happen to you at any time. Just try and make yourself less of a target, or putting up enough small barriers that people move on to someone else. That's a little bit easier. I heard a good um, <clears throat> I heard a good a good swatting technique to anti swatting technique. Okay. Too. 
So uh, if once, so if you, if anyone ever, so sometimes you get threatened with being swatted. It's like they don't just do it. They're like, hey, if you if you don't meet my demands, I will sure. call the SWAT team. So in that case, what you're supposed to do is file the report with the police and ask for documentation of the report, and then you print out the documentation and like laminate it and tape it to your door. So when mm. the guys show up, there's that the police sense. report outside the door. Having a police report permanently laminated in front your of your apartment. Yeah, sure. There you go. It's like the uh, like the health inspection. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, welcome to uh, episode thirteen <laughs> of the Security Lockdown Podcast with Max and Patrick. Yeah, we're paranoid, and you are too. Yeah, we'll take all your questions. What do you got? Questions about go bags? Yep. Uh, questions about uh, barrels of food. Uh, special guest Vinny Caravel will be joining us during the break <laughs> to to walk us through what you'd be in your bug out bag. Oh man, I miss those uh, bombcasts about the bug out bag. And just remember the. Do you you probably don't remember this? There was one I'll never forget. I was laughing so hard about. It was like Vinny had started looking into buying like barrels of just food product, and it was yeah. like on Amazon. It's just yeah. labeled like human food. Just like uh, <laughs> you never know, though. Yeah, you That's never what know. Vinny would say anything could happen. We could get Vinny on this podcast. Vinny was uh, instrumental in, in helping set this whole studio up. Yeah. He gave us a lot of advice. Sorry if Jeff is listening. He did it, uh, uh, you know, off hours, oh. obviously. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure Jeff Gersman is tuning into episode 13 of a Lost Rewatch podcast. He could be a fan. He could be a fan. I don't want to bust Vinny. Uh, you know, Jeff's a slave driver. All right. Well, this is uh, episode 13 of Rewatch podcast. We are this week. We're talking about episode 13 of Lost, which is special. It's our first. Uh, Walt- it's not though. Get it? Oh, <laughs> I was a little late on that one. Yeah, it's not that great. Uh, it's good moments. I I thought there were some really no, good for moments sure. in it. Absolutely. Uh, it's our first uh, Walt slash Michael uh, episode, so a um, lot to talk about. Um, let's start with uh, some follow-up um, from uh, our break. We have a couple of good emails here. Uh, Anel writes in and says, Hello. I was just wondering whether or not you are continuing with the Lost Rewatch podcast. I waited for an update for many months, and I am curious as to whether or not I should just unsubscribe. Don't unsubscribe. We're back. Yeah, I think we're going to do it. <laughs> I think we're going for Hopefully, it. Hopefully, what was her name? Anel. Oh, Anel, hopefully we apo- we apologize. Uh, you hopefully the, you're still there. You want to do the next one? Hi, Anel. Let me look. Yeah, let you me don't know if the dink is up? It's right in my okay. way I type my password. Greg asks, are you guys sleeping? No. I'm going to answer that right up front. I might be later, though. Are you sleeping or too busy sending out cards against lost humanity? Well, that one's true. I am too busy mm, doing that. I'm about to listen to episode nine. Well, well, Greg, do we do we have, have timestamps for these? I could go into my email and find <laughs> out. Greg, I think we've probably waited enough weeks now that you, if you were still watching one a week, you are caught up to us. Let us know. This would be this would be kind of good. Let us know. Like, did you keep watching the show in the months off while we were hibernating? Yeah. Like, and what was your experience? Did you watch? We, did you watch any Lost? I did not. Um. So I have a sort of ritual of watching the final episode of Lost coordinated to sort of like major events in my life. I find the final episode of Lost to be like extremely cathartic emotionally for a lot of reasons that we could talk about in a much later date. But uh, so I watched it recently when I switched jobs. Um, and I don't know, I just, I, that's just, that episode was a good cry. And so I rewatched the, that, that last episode. It's still good. Cool. It's still really good. That's uh that's West Wing for me. That's my big like life life changes show. Yep. Yeah. 
Like Martin Sheen. Just Martin Sheen? Yeah, he's just, just generally you know, he's very, speaking. He's very Martin comforting Sheen? as the president. That's fine. You know? It's like, Let's yeah, see. everything's all right. Martin Sheen's in charge. All right. Uh, John wrote in to say, any plans to resume this podcast? To be determined. To be determined. Uh, let's see. Patrick, you got the next one? Uh, Derek, I'm freaking at the possibility that you guys quit the podcast. <laughs> please, Jacob, please don't let that be the case. Derek, happy to inform you, we did not quit the podcast. We have not quit. In fact, you're listening to us right now. Uh, Dean writes in. This is a stupid bit, by the way. <laughs> this is really Why would you had? Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. Three-fourths three four of the bit, and then you give up. Okay. No, no, no. I'm, I, you know... All right. Just no, pretend that didn't happen. I'm going to power through. All right. Dean says, uh, Dean writes in and asks, is it over? Is the podcast over? No. It is not over. Uh, Catherine writes in, from a concerned listener, why hasn't the podcast been updated? Did you guys bail? Well, it's updated now. We have not bailed. And we haven't bailed, so don't, this is the don't sound accuse of us, us to being liars. Not having we're not bailed. liars. We're, we're not quitters. We're not bailers. Yeah, we're quitters. We did quit the podcast temporarily. For a temporarily, good amount of time. The saddest one was uh, I didn't know this, but my uh, my dad has been listening along, <laughs> and I saw him at one point. He was like, "Hey, uh, I'm kind of missing that lost podcast. I really want to know what happens." Well, I I told you that I had to stop telling my wife when we're thinking about starting up the podcast again because she would get verbally and physically upset at me about it because <laughs> she really enjoyed it, and, and in fact. Uh, we were in the kitchen this morning before I uh, came into the office, and she mentioned some remark about the episode. She's like, oh, that was a funny little thing. I was like, I don't remember that. That was six months ago. And, I was, <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, I feel like a real piece of shit. Well, uh, one piece of follow-up from uh, that people will definitely not remember. Um, we had a question in our last episode uh, way back in the year 2014. <laughs> um, uh about what exactly an au pair was, because I think there was a comment that Shannon was an au pair in one of the episodes. And uh, Silvano writes in to say, uh, we thought it was something to do with babysitters, but he says uh, that we're right. Au pairs are basically legal foreign babysitters, so it's like a study abroad, but you come to the U.S. to like mm. babysit someone's kids. And it's uh, huge for European girls to get to spend a year in uh, America. So I assume Shannon well, he writes, like a reverse. Let's be specific. He writes Murica. Murica. And I like that whole joke. I think it's... It's one of those like Reddit memes. That they pay me, me to be a reporter. Okay. Well, I can't. Uh, I can't argue with that. Here's the most important follow up of all, though. Oh, a number one follow up. Yeah, it's our, it's our Drew follow up. Finally, we were going to get some theme music for the Drew follow up. Should we get on that, Drew? That was bad. <laughs> I'll just Drew. put. Yeah, I'll just we'll make a drop. <laughs> We'll make a drop of uh, of Patrick singing the old Drew, Drew. follow Just yeah. play that like three times, layer it over, put on some... Uh, hey, Drew, it's me. Meet me in the banyan trees. <laughs> Maybe we can get that. That's, do you think we could get that voice actor to do... We've talked about that in the past. I'm, he was a prolific voice actor. I feel like I can do that. Yeah, see if you can get him. <clears throat> be like, big big shot him. You know, you got to be like, hey. Hey. Uh, it's uh, Patrick Klepek from Kotaku here. Can I interview you? That'll be the entirety of my email. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Drew, follow-up. You want to do this one? Sure. All well, right. Drew is our um, – how do we describe How do we describe Drew if people Drew, have forgotten? Drew was – well, at one point we – I think we found we met Drew because at one point we said, you know, is anyone out there 
has any, is there anyone out there who's listening every week who's truly never seen Lost and yep. also hasn't skipped ahead? And they're really, this is like their first watch through of Lost. And Drew is our guy. And we started every week, we've, uh, we started asking him these questions and he was really good about writing us back. Yeah, like asking him, like, what is your theory on this? Like, what do you think this yeah, is? Yeah, he, he sort of represents the, the, the viewer that hasn't seen Lost before. The everyman. Uh, much like Jana, who I think watched almost all of Lost and we need to really have her back in here to, to get her, to get a reaction. Yeah. So Drew writes, it's good to have the podcast back in my regular rotation. Incidentally, and for reasons unrelated to your absence, I've, Watched almost no loss since rewatch stopped updating. Life changes, graduating college, moving in with my girlfriend. Free time changes, getting a job, said girlfriend's seemingly endless Grey's Anatomy marathon. All right, made... Drew, we, we get it. You have a girlfriend. <laughs> it's very impressive. It's <laughs> made watching lost. Wow. Wow. Very passive aggressive. Uh, largely occasional treat. Anyways, to respond to your last question, what's up with the island? What's up with the compasses? I initially bought into the purgatory theory. It was one thing I picked up on, and being that I knew friends who were personally slighted by the series finale, I figured it was the resolution the showrunners opted for. Not Now knowing that not to be true, I'm practically lost. Good Drew pun. I'm practically lost. I feel like he didn't mean to write that. Because he, he capitalized lost earlier in the email, which is what I always do, mm-hmm. and then he this is all lowercase. I think it was an accident. Interesting. You always capitalize lost. You're very you're consistent about that. Pretty, pretty much. I kind of liked that. I don't know. I yeah. Anyway, my only running hypothesis right now is that there is some kind of otherworldly extraterrestrial object on the island, a la sphere. That's the only way I can explain why the extreme interference of the compass is the existence of others on the same island, the smoke monster, the polar bear, etc. A lame theory, etc. But it's the best I can come up with. Boy, that would have been an interesting. I, I wish that was more part of the fan speculation. And there part was of the a story that one of the predominant theories was, or at least one that was very common, was that the island was a spaceship. Oh, really? I remember that one being one that I didn't, I wasn't on board with necessarily, but thought was like really cool in the stupidest way possible. Uh, wow. the idea? I think there were people mashing up the Boston cover album with the island, like you know, like with the yeah, like, it was something like that. Oh, that's so cool. Or that uh, – I'm trying to think of like what's another story where people are somewhere and then they find out they're somewhere else. Like, uh, Dark City. This podcast. They think that we're going to put it out every week and then they're in a place where we don't do that. Haven't you seen Dark City? No, I've never heard of it. It's the Kiefer Sutherland, Alex Proya's sci-fi film, like one of Kiefer Sutherland's like early sci-fi – it's a fantastic I film. I don't know anything that you're talking about. Uh, I'm not going to explain Dark you know City. Black Mirror? Like you heard Dark of Black City. Mirror? Yeah, that's new. Yeah, it's good. I know it's good. Okay. That's my cool sci-fi. I, I know about cool sci-fi things. Dark City is a great movie. You should watch Dark City. Dark? Okay. Let me make myself a little note here. Uh, I'm going to open up my uh, my OmniFocus. Focus. Okay. I'm going to make a new task. Now, what's it called? Dark City? Dark watch. City. This is scary. Dark City. Creepy. Okay. I don't want to say anything more about it. You okay. go, watch Dark City and we'll talk about it. Okay. Now, you've seen Black Mirror? Everything but the Christmas episode from season two. Okay, I just so I'm I'm watching it now, uh, and I just watched uh, my last one that I saw was White Bear. Was the the the, the it's, I only have one more episode to see. What's the premise of White Bear? The White Bear is the one where the woman wakes up and she has amnesia, mm-hmm. and it, she's in a crazy world, mm-hmm. and things are happening around her. That's good. They're all the one. Do you know the one? Yeah, I've that, seen them all. Oh god, that was so good. They're good. The Google Glass one is might be my favorite though. Oh the. You, the grain, the one where the people have the grain in their eye and they can yeah. play back their memories. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've, I actually, this is interesting. I wasn't thinking about this in the context of the uh, Lost podcast, 
But I think Black Mirror gives me a very similar high to Lost. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of like the the mystery in each episode, and I like the. What's kind of like why I wouldn't want to suspense, like spoiling or talking about the premise of an individual Black Mirror episode. I feel like is a spoiler in and of itself because oh, interesting. Eh, no, I don't oh, know. but but I I'm not saying it like ruins the episode, but but part of the fun I have found is every episode is like, well, what's the thing this time? Oh, right. Right? right, I'm not saying it spoils. They go to some interesting places. It doesn't, but the idea of like, what's the little narrative conceit? Like, what's the little thing from our reality right now that they're you know blowing way out of proportion? What if the or we've, we've lost almost it. all the listeners at this point? Yeah. They have no idea what we're talking about. What if the twist from White Bear was the was the twist of Lost? Hmm. Could've Food for cool. thought. Could've Food for cool. thought. We should move on. Okay. I I really do want to talk about Black Mirror a lot though. Okay. Really good. Really creepy. It's good. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about? What's next? We're talking about how we don't have an interview this week. Oh, right. No interview this week. It's just the uh, love between the two hosts is the only it is. Uh, the only guest here in the studio. Just uh, feel free to listen to the first part of this episode all over again as the interview. We'll just copy and paste it. <laughs> yeah. And now our interview with <laughs> hosts of the Lost Rewatch podcast, Max and Patrick. Take it away, guys. Play the theme music in there. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, we do have. Uh, can I can I tease our interview sure. that I've been working on? Yeah, we have a we have a huge interview with one of our <laughs> with someone that we really respect and admire. It's the Zojirushi Cup Company, the mug, mm-hmm. the thermos company. I did reach out during our extended break. I did reach out to corporate PR for Zojirushi, and they have provided someone who has agreed to do a Skype interview with us. So I like the con- I like the way you phrase that. Provided someone. Yeah, they brought like, on they a found, platter. Well, they don't really have like a PR department to do podcasts, you know. But uh, I think uh, I think that we should bring them in uh, 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 potentially. Well, I think this could really pivot. I think we could pivot the whole podcast into a sort of a mug appreciation podcast. You yeah. know, we're done with the first season of Lost. Mm-hmm. I think we could really talk about mugs every week. Yeah, I think that would be mug, just as interesting. Mug talk. Mug talk. Yeah. I'm like, watching uh, Twin Peaks. That show has a what mug are you, What mug are you drinking out of while you watch Twin Peaks? The Miller Lite mug. That's an inferior mug to the Zojirishi mug, in That's my true. opinion. That's See, this true. is riveting. This is this is good content that people would, I think, would pay for, and I think they would sponsor it. You know what? I, I'm a lover of content. Yeah. Well, we're only in it for the content, really. Content lovers here at Rewatch Podcast. How is Twin Peaks? It's really good. So I should watch it. It holds up? Well, I've never seen it before. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Um, and I've been meaning to write a piece about it, but... And I'll keep this brief because now we've gone on seven tangents before we get into the episode. But essentially, I wanted to see if I could get over the nostalgic hump, which is that like I have a lot of what Twin Peaks is and represents and certain touchstones about it ingrained in just sort of cultural osmosis. Learning what the origins of that is interesting but does not necessarily make it good. So then it was this, this exercise in this cult hit that has been hyped up for decades – can you still enjoy it for what it is as opposed to what it's been made to be? And I found by the end of episode three, there is a very specific moment that is often then cited by lots of other people that enjoyed Twin Peaks as the moment that you get the show, you fall in love, and you genuinely appreciate the show for what it is rather than what it's become as sort of like this, you know, uh, cult hit from the... I guess it wasn't a cult hit in that it became a cult hit because it was quickly forgotten. 
but it was a big hit when it was actually on TV, which is why it had a second season. And, and so it, it, this uh, moment of like you like it or you don't like it. Uh, I don't really know if it's like it or don't like it. It's okay. much as that like it just sort of solidifies that this is what Twin Peaks is. Okay. Oh, okay. And is that in season one? It's in the the concluding scene of episode three of season one. Okay. So, so it's sort of the uh, – I, I would maybe make a parallel to Walkabout in Lost of like yeah. – I often tell people, you know, watch – give Lost a chance until Walkabout. So that's like about four hours of Lost. And if you – you know, if that doesn't grab you by the balls – the show's not for you. Like, That's you're the, not. the same moment in Twin Peaks. Like, okay. when this happens, you're either looking at the people around you and going, fuck yeah, mm-hmm. I am, I'm into this show 100%, or you're just like, this is, this is why I don't like David Lynch stuff. And K- is Katie watching? Yeah, or just, just as obsessed. Okay, she's yeah. into it too. Yeah, okay. yeah, we haven't started season two yet, but. Okay. Actually, I, f- I usually like Katie's taste and stuff as a better predictor it's, of what I'll like than you. It's also good, she's like more of a normal human being. Yeah, so yep, yeah. I, I, I like more, Emma, I like yeah. Emma, that's why I keep her around. Okay. Yeah, I don't like the, I just uh, use her as a barometer for I don't for like all taste. this scary, spooky stuff. Mm-mm. Yeah. No she likes that stuff, though. All right, well, let's, uh, let's talk about this, uh, this episode. So, basically, a special split into two main stories. Your A story is, uh, mostly focused on the relationship between, uh, Michael and Walt. And your B story is also Michael's story, and it's kind of the relationship between uh, Locke and Walt and uh, uh, Michael, um, and that that sort of interplay there. Um, which, where do you want, we should probably talk about the off island stuff first, I think, as we usually do. Yeah. Well, you're you're like you're giving me a face. I don't know what that signal. I'm trying is. to. Well, I'm trying to think <coughs> where I should cough. <laughs> I felt I felt the tickle coming. I felt, you turned it over to me, and I was like, oh no. Oh, no, there it is. This is the part where I would take a sip of water. Okay. <clears throat> we should get some uh, cough buttons for these microphones. We should get some cough buttons. Well, let's see. Do we? Do you have the, the an episode guide in front of you? I've got one here. No. Uh, I actually watched uh, it, so I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it from memory. Well, we start in 1994, Max. <laughs> well, so it opens. It opens up with this is pre a pre Walt. Oh no! The, damn, I'm doing the flashback. Ha. Huh. On island. Um, well, I mean, like let's, the, do, let's do the off island. I, I think let's do the off island stuff first, right? Okay. So basically, this is a shop of babies. I love Baby this. Stuff. I love this off island story because it's like my favorite lost trope. <coughs> Man, you're you're just a coughing. I am. You're just a monster today of coughs. Mm-hmm. You're really just a cough monster. Got that Kotaku, this, this scariest of the lost creatures. Kotaku uh, illness over there. Uh, so this is like my this episode and the off island story. It's one of my favorite uh, lost story tropes of like taking a guy who you sort of think you have figured out and then and then really flipping the story on him. Uh, so you got that with the Sun and Jin episode. Um, you definitely got that with Locke in a big way. And I love the way that they do this with Michael of like, you know, going into this episode, I really do not like Michael. I don't think he has a lot to contribute to the group. I think they don't give. They don't really kind of a douche. Give, yeah, they don't give him any sort of redeeming quality other no. than. He has that moment where he's an architect and he figures out how to handle the caves. Like that's about the only moment they give him. Like they sort of contextualized him as a struggling new parent, which is totally understandable, right? Mm. That he is thrust into this situation that he was not ready for. But it isn't until this episode that we really understand what that even means. Like you go into to special thinking that you dislike Michael and you kind of come out of it going – he sort of got a raw deal. Not that it excuses some of his behavior, but if you look at all the extraordinary circumstances he was put in, put through to get to this moment, 
understand why the guy maybe has got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, and, I, and, and also why he's a bad parent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what that's what it does for me. Is like I understand that this is a guy who's trying really hard to be a parent, and he has no fucking clue what he's doing. He really has no idea what to do with this kid. He has no relationship with the kid until you know, presumably hours or you know days before the the, the plane crash. Um, and you know, I think he feels a tremendous amount of guilt uh, over over and and. Uh, uh, I think he just feels really bad for Walt's situation. Like, uh, Walt's got just screwed repeatedly in his whole childhood. Uh, and this is just one more, you know, I think for Michael, this is just like one more terrible thing that's happening to Walt that he's sort of powerless. Like, he just wants the best for him. Um, but he's really powerless to to give him what he thinks is is fair or right for him. He has and, trouble explaining it, right? So, like, the terrible yeah. things that have happened to Walt are so different than the terrible things that have happened to Michael in, in a way that – their age disparity does not allow them to sort of kumbaya over this, right? Like there's no way for Michael to explain to Walt, hey, I got screwed over by your terrible mom, uh, right. and this is why I don't know you, and this is why I can't can't explain myself to you, because there's no way for Walt to understand that, and there's no way for, for Walt to really contextualize all the terrible things that happened to him. So you have these people so far away from each other, but then put into this extraordinary circumstance of being on the island in which they basically have to start reconciling that pretty quickly if they're going to survive. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and the, so the first thing that goes wrong for Walt is like, he's got to grow up without a dad, not really Michael's fault, really Michael's uh, shitty wife's fault. I would say for the most part, like she really didn't have a lot of interest in in preserving that family. Um, And I think it's obvious when, when, when Michael goes to pick Walt up that the, the new husband that uh, Walt's mom's new husband just Mm -hmm. could not care less about that kid. Like that guy just sucks the most. Um, hate that guy. But uh, so, so Walt gets screwed the first time there. He gets screwed the second time by – because, you know, Walt's trying to write him these letters and have this relationship with him and, and the mom withholds the letters. And that, that probably the most heartbreaking moment of the episode, the one which really solid, – like because, you know, we only get this small window into the relationship. You know, we don't have a great sense of – you know, Michael's obviously struggling for work. You know, he you know wants to, to be a painter for his passion. He has a wife that uh, – you know, has a, clearly a high-paying lawyer job that in some way seems to enable Michael to maybe not seek out work, that maybe creates a weird power dynamic in that relationship that we don't get a, to spend a lot of time with. But they ultimately end up painting, you know, her as kind of a bad guy. And, and sort of the, the, the true twisting of the knife is the reveal that, that Michael accepts that he's never going to get to know his son in the way that he wants to and be the father he wants to be, but wants to have a connection to him and... You know, her, the mother instead hides all those letters and those are never given to him. It's really, it's sort of unclear. Or like, there's the really sweet moment where the maid re- you sort of reveals that she's been keeping that stuff, thinking yeah. that was important. Um, and that's like a really, like, there's a really touching moment that sort of like spider webs the entire relationship between Walt and, and Michael in a really profound way. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, Walt's mom dies and he's in a plane crash on a stranded island. So yeah. I think you, I think. Although Walt seems to have adjusted to that pretty well. Yeah, Walt's, I mean, he, he's a kid though, right? Like, like kids yeah. are like that. Like kids. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Kids just sort of deal with this, like that happened. I, I was not, I'm I would on. not have dealt with that situation well. I would have been very upset that I didn't have my toys and my Legos and my uh, Animorphs books. I would not have done well in that survival situation. But, uh, yeah, I do. I have a better feeling for Michael's extreme overprotectiveness that, it, you know, before this episode, it was just purely, 
oh, God, why is this guy being such a dick? And why is he so bad with this kid? And I, now I see where he's coming from. Like, I see things from his point of view in a way that, uh, you know, I, I find I, I really, it really, it really flipped him uh, as a character towards being very sympathetic to me. Well, he's, he's much more three-dimensional now. Is that just the, this archetype that the, the show is employed to be a plot device? Like, he's suddenly, after this episode, as a lot of characters in Lost become, someone that you maybe not enjoy, but at least you understand what's going on with Michael and his situation in a way that, like, really sets up, you know, a lot of the powerful stuff that happens on island between Locke uh, and, and Michael uh, to sort of resolve a lot of the tension that's been building between them up until this point. Yeah. Um, so that's the, oh, and then oh, I think we got to talk about all the, the, the sort of creepy paranoia or paranormal side of, uh, of, of the, yeah. the off island. This is thing. probably like the weirdest, a show that the show has already been kind of weird, right? Like we got polar bears on an island and, you know, and stuff like that. And we're finding weird wires in the, the ocean that lead into a, a cabin in the middle of the woods. So, that, you know, the show is established and has an invisible monster running around or possibly an invisible monster running around. And so the show is established that it's weird, but well, we know the island is. Weird. Is this the first? Is this the first instance of off island? Well, no, because we have so there's the psychic, but this is probably the most extreme instance of off island weirdness. The first time a character on the island is shown to have odd properties off the island, in right. which uh, there are two instances of that. There is uh, Walt. Well, so. On, on the island, he's reading a comic book about a polar bear attacking, and then he's attacked by a polar bear. And then off the island, he is looking at a book about birds when a bird then smashes its head into the well, window. It's, it's like that bird that he's reading That specific about bird, too. right. Yeah. Um, and so that's an instance in which it's not really remarked upon about what that is, what that means, if that has any connection to the island or, you know. But your mind immediately starts going to some potentially really crazy places of like, well, is – like, part of the reason they're here because Walt was drawn here. Like, you know, is, is Walt special? And so then Walt's been attracted to this island in the way that possibly Locke is special, and that's why he's been drawn to the island. And then you can start imagining theories about, well, maybe these are all special people in some way. Like, are these – is this some sort of, like, X, like some shitty X-Men group of <laughs> – of like people with like crappy powers, the, the that... uh, emotionally the X Men with father issues, the exactly. emotionally distant X Men who have trouble gr- communicating with each the other. The gritty X Men reboot um, involves actually just daddy issues, but but yeah, it starts in, it starts doing the very lost thing in which it reveals just enough to get your mind racing to potentially reshape everything that's come before it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily tell you anything about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I found that I, I remember when I saw this the first time. Like I thought this was a uh, this was one of those moments that I thought was really key to like understanding the whole um, the whole island mystery. It was like oh, it all hangs on on this power that Walt has or whatever. It's it's an there's, episode there's that like I enjoyed a lot more when I saw it the first time than mm-hmm. I have enjoyed it on subsequent times. That I think is partially informed by what they yeah. do and don't do. With the Walt character going forward, uh, another uh, David Fury episode. By the way, I think if we if we talked about David Fury on here, as he's being, one of the better writers. Yeah, and and being one of the people who really is interested in the island mythology and has advanced. Uh, you know, whenever he writes an episode, um, you could always get excited that like shit was going to go down. Yep, exactly. 
Um, so then the uh, the on island stuff I thought worked. Uh, I thought it was a lot worse. Oh, one more off island thing. I love the comment where Walt's uh, you know uh, stepfather when Michael goes to pick him up, he's like the what does he say? He's like the boys the boys not right or something like that. Yeah, like, he says like pretty directive like weird things happen around him, and that's yeah. I I couldn't tell if I liked that line or it comes across as like incredibly clumsy, like a like a. Like hitting the note, like did you really have to acknowledge that as like a like? It's obvious that he's just a shitty father that was only in it to to get with this woman, and then the kid kind of just came along for the ride. For him to then boat over to America and be like, "The kid's weird, man. The kid's weird." It was watching it now. He was kind of rolling Wait, my eyes. They weren't in America. Walt was in Australia, right? Right, but the, or, fa- I mean, the, uh, the father uh, came o- the, or the oh, right. stepfather he came, came over That's to right. get Michael and rec- essentially recruit him to, to come back and gave right, him money right, and, right, right. and stuff like that. That's right. Oh, man. That guy's an All asshole. Right. I really dislike him. He's one of the worst people in Lost, and I don't think – do we see him again in, in the flashbacks doubt it. or anything? I, I sincerely so. doubt it. I would have loved for – in a future flashback of like a future season for that guy to get some karmic <laughs> – Justice, as happens, you know, as Lost is, uh, starts connecting uh, stuff in the in the flashbacks. Uh, so the on island stuff, I thought it was pretty weak. I did not; it didn't really work for me. So you have um, a pretty dumb fight, really, between Michael and Locke over whether Locke is allowed to teach Walt. And Locke has has a lot to say about like, oh, the boy's uh, he's special and he's got these skills, and you've got to let him develop his talents. And Michael's like, hey, don't let him throw knives around. And neither of them really make any sense to me. I don't really understand for either of them why they why this comes to blows and why Michael's they're both being like, slightly unreasonable. Yeah, and so if it feels as like I think the resolution of the concept is. To the conflict is way more interesting than the conflict itself. Oh, okay. see, I hate the way that this episode ends. I mean, it, it ends with, you know, Walt gets chased by a polar bear, and Michael and Locke have to go rescue him from the polar bear. And one of the worst and cheesiest action sequences oh, it's in bad. the entire show. The I CG is it. really, and then like the weird, the sort of like puppet claw like mm-hmm. coming in that when they don't want to actually cut away to the polar bear because they don't have the money to cut away to another action yeah. shot of a poorly designed polar yeah, bear. Yeah, w- Wikipedia says uh, the 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 the, uh, the polar bear is mostly depicted through computer generated imagery uh, with an animatronic head and puppeteers wearing bear arms for the close ups. It looks bad. Does not look good. No, it looks really. I mean, most of the scenes are of just like, the whole thing of like he's on the stranded on the tree and he has to get the knife and it's just so it's corny. It's a corny bad action sequence that I don't want to see in Lost. Well, and it also just feels like a lot of that conflict just over dramatized for the sake of like resolving this conflict between Locke and and Michael. Like it's just a, oh we're tired of this this conflict we gotta try and bring some resolution to this so we can move sort of the plot along, um, but uh, yeah it feels it felt fillery in a way um, yeah like oh we gotta cram some sort of uh, dumb action sequence into this right like yeah I, well you I mean I, it's not hard to imagine how that might come up in sort of like oh we need to feed something to the I mean there's been a lot of mythology in the couple episodes leading up to this and so this is something for the commercials uh, and things like that. Yeah. The uh, the one other, the, the sort of C story is uh, you do get some follow-up on the the uh, Claire-Charlie situation where Charlie is trying to get Claire's diary from Sawyer, mm-hmm. and then he uh, eventually gets it. 
And, and it has one of my favorite that. sort of like one-off scenes in the entire, maybe series, certainly in the first season, in which uh, when he gets access to the diary, then he, he proclaims he's not going to read it. He's not going to read it. He's not going to look at it. He's not going to violate Claire's privacy. And so there's that scene where he's sitting next to it, and he keeps picking it up and like kind of bending it and kind of looking at it and then putting it back down. And it goes on for like a really long time, but yeah. like in a really enjoyable way that you could tell that was probably just a completely improvised scene and they just sort of left it because it was so cute. But I just thought that that whole bit was just a really great bit of storytelling in which he says nothing, but it says everything about how he feels in that moment about like his relationship or potential relationship with Claire. It's like he, he desper- so desperately wants to know what she's saying in that diary. And I just think, you know, he doesn't say anything, but it says everything at the same time. Yeah, really nice p- little piece of acting by uh, Dominique. Uh, you can say his last name. Go ahead. Uh, Dominique Monaghan. Monaghan seems right. Monaghan. 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 Oh, I'm sure he listens, you know. Well, uh, write in and let us know how to phonetically say your last name. Yeah, Dominic, do some, uh, give us some follow-up. <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally, uh, big twist at the end where um, they're uh, – who's, who's out in the woods? It's like Locke and Boone are out and they're and they're continuing. They're, they're continuing to do their – I don't know. We're working well, they're, on They're ostensibly hatch. supposed to be looking for Claire. They're supposed to be out searching for Claire hunting boar or something, but they're secretly uh, playing around with this hatch. And Claire comes stumbling out of the jungle and she looks kind of crazy – um, and that's, that's the sort of, uh, suspenseful ending. I mean, probably one of the best moments of the episode. Uh, and it really, it, it's, it's so great because it's this one little moment, but like, damn, I want to hit on Netflix. Yes. I want to be like, show me the next episode right there. I like, think there's also some evolution. So eventually he opens the diary mm-hmm. and they discover the connection about the black rock, right? Oh, she wrote about the black rock in the diary. Like she saw it in her right, dreams. Right, right. That's right. And then he's like, well, uh, I think Jack, you know, says something along the lines of like, well, she, you know, she was, you know, clearly uh, she was on medication, like she was probably dreaming of something else. And then, you know, Charlie makes the connection that no, actually, you know, Saeed was talking about the Black Rock. Like the Black Rock is a thing on the island. Right. Um, that on is related Rousseau's to maps. Rousseau's maps. And right. so, you know, that immediately, be, you know, begins to get into a sort of like, well, this, I don't know, this, this island's doing weird shit to people. Um, overall, good episode? Eh. Yeah. yeah, moments, moments. But it was—I remember it was an episode like, like you that I ascribed great importance to mm-hmm. uh, when I watched it. And I, I, it does expand the mythology in some interesting ways. And and I think what it, if if nothing else, what it does for the character of Michael makes the entire episode worth it. I just think they didn't have a whole lot of other threads to hang the episode on, which is sometimes what the show runs into when it's doing all of these things at once. So mm. it's like we need—it's like okay. Would this episode have been better served by just being 75% flashbacks? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably would have had more time enjoying uh, that, but that's not how the show works. And a lot of the on-island drama is what's driving a lot of the interest in the show, especially early on. Um, so that's sort of something I look back in retrospect, and, and I would rather have that ratio. Um, but it makes Michael an interesting character. And before that, he's, an, he's now he is an interesting dick. Uh, before he was just a dick, um, which is an improvement for the character. Um, so I was just looking up the episode list for season one. I mean, special is we're right through that kind of um, – They're 24 or 26 episodes. 24. It depends how you count 
the the finale and the opening, but I, I'll I'll go ahead and say there's like 23, 24 episodes. Okay. So yeah, we're right past that hump of the kind of slow middle of the season, and uh, we've got a couple more sort of maybe I would say questionable ones, and then man, there's a good uh, there's a good uh, stretch coming up. You've got uh, in translation numbers, Deus Ex Machina. The greater good, and then Exodus, which is just what a what a way to end that season. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely, uh, you know, if you're if you're you know if you're if you're sticking around the podcast schedule and you're feeling bad about these last few episodes, uh, you you have not seen the the highest highs of season one of uh, of Lost. I think it's uh, still the oh definitely not. Oh yeah, my favorite moment with my favorite music cue in the entire series Ooh, happens that'll be, uh, later that'll be, in uh, later that'll be in season a fun one. one. That'll be a very fun one. What is uh? So we don't have a lot of trivia this week. There, it seems like in addition to our sort of ambivalence about this episode, the internet's interest in this episode well, this is, is a, a little bit ambivalent as it, well. It's a sign too. It's a it's a problem. I think that the writers came to recognize in later seasons of like there twenty four episodes is too many episodes to tell a good story over a season, and this is where they for anything. I, I I feel oh, yeah. I've, I watch plenty of shows that do have that many episodes, but every time you always look at it and go. You could have done this in 13, and it would have been better for it. Lost could have told most of the story. I mean, I look at Black Mirror as three episodes in a season. I mean, they're all an actual hour long, so they're a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, a, an unbelievable a season of Lost of story to worth of storytelling in uh, in many of those episodes. But uh, yeah, yeah, Lost could have been very easily a three to four season, 13 episode each. Like, yep. And much it stronger. Been a, it would have been a masterpiece. Yes. It would have gone down as, like, the most perfect Breaking Bad, like the most perfect show yeah. ever conceived. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is part of the fight that the show creators came to have with the network of, like, the network was always pushing them to do more episodes because the ratings were good and it was a successful show. And they were always wanted to say, well, we can't keep coming up with ways for – to extend this love triangle, you know, the the and and keep them in purgatory on this island, you know, without, without making any progress. Um, and I think that was really smart. I think they saw that there were these, like, lulls in the middle of the seasons where – the storytelling suffered. All right, you want to do some um, some of the trivia, and then I found a couple of good uh, quotes from from the something awful thread on this episode. Uh, yeah, so the Spanish language comic book read by Walt originally belonged to Hurley. Um, this episode uh, features the first mention of Egypt in Lost. Walt suggests you should be studying the birds of Egypt around the birds of Australia. That's something that will make a little more sense later in the show. Uh, we talked about the other stuff, which was sort of Walt influencing what's kind of going around around him. Um, and then you have some stuff that you pull from a Something Awful thread. Yeah. Uh, so the Something Awful people, they're mainly, they're mainly concerned after seeing this episode about whether or not Claire is <laughs> still, good. uh, they're mainly concerned about, uh, uh, whether Claire is still pregnant or not. So some mm. people felt like they were doing like the frame by frame thing and they were trying to figure out and it seemed like the show might have kind of obscured a, a full view of her so you couldn't tell if she was still pregnant or what happened with the baby. But a lot of people very fixed at this point, you know, on, on watching it for the first time, uh, you know, and talking about it on, on uh, the, the, the Lost uh, T- or the TVIV forum uh, about Lost back in the day on something awful. A lot of people really hung up on the Ethan slash uh, uh, where is Claire mystery. Uh, and there was this great comment about Ethan uh, and one one guy is trying to. He's getting really emotional. He goes talking about how bad how bad of a bad guy Ethan is. He goes, "It's fucking Ethan, man. Do you know what Ethan stands for? Even the handguns are not fucking 
able to hit him one single bit. Ethan's a monster. He will destroy every single one of them, except Locke and probably Vincent, but especially Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, just, Charlie is a punching bag for a lot of internet snark commentators. He was he was sort of the go-to, one of the go-to guys for, for that sort of Jack stuff. Jack as well. Jack was the funny one to make fun of for me. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, it wasn't a surprise that what the internet, those, or I should say specifically, those corners of the internet were focused on were a lot of the mythology stuff, the love triangle stuff was often viewed with contempt. Yeah. Um, I just love how much that's the mystery everyone's picked, is the mystery of what happened to Claire's baby and Ethan. Of all the My stuff baby. to seize on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Next week we are watching... Uh, Home- Homecoming? Homecoming. Is that Which correct? Is a... Yeah, that's correct. It's episode 14 of Lost. A, Char- a Charlie episode written by Damon Lindelof. Hmm. Um, I guess we won't say anything about the plot because you know, no reason to spoil anything about it. But yeah, I uh, I don't remember anything about this. I episode. don't know anything about this either. This will be an interesting one to talk about. I can't tell. Sometimes I've been surprised because the ones that I remembered, I don't didn't remember or remembered as being bad. I actually liked them a lot more on this rewatch. Well, this your expectations or what you wanted out of the show are far different upon right. rewatch than they are upon. Yeah, maybe maybe this one will uh, catch me by surprise. Well, the uh, show notes for this episode and the show notes for every episode are available on our website at rewatchpodcast.com. Uh, as always, you can email us uh, any sort of questions or things you want us to talk about on the podcast at rewatchpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter. We're just at rewatchpodcast. Uh, thank you, as always, to Steve Fobwash Kim for our artwork. Thanks to Dose One for our theme music. You can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month, at doseone.bandcamp.com. And also, uh, I just uh, found out recently, if you're a Dose One fan, uh, Cloud Dead is going to start touring again, and I will definitely have to see them in Chicago. Sweet. Uh, that is a very good band that everyone should check out. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, hopefully, we will have that uh, sweet uh, mug interview. Mm, damn good coffee. Cool.